0: Good morning. we got a couple of announcements we need to go over today. We all know the first four. And by the way, uh, we have a couple of visitors welcome. And we hope that you enjoy and receive blessings from the service. Uh, let's skip all the way down to number five. No evening service tonight due to the holiday. So we're going to take and maximize our enjoyment with that. After the service today, uh, pastor is calling for a very brief, very brief meeting between the, the board members, the deacons and elders who are here. Uh, we've got a couple of things we need to discuss, and after that discussion is done in a week or so, when we get a process, we'd like to bring it to the congregation for some consideration. So uh, keep us in your prayer as we go about this. Do we have any updates on uh, our members that aren't here? Uh, Terry, how's Tom Roth doing? You don't know, haven't talked to him. Pam is out. How's she feeling, Dale? Okay, we will keep her in prayer. How's Della uh, Lewis doing? Is she doing okay? not talk to her either. <laughs> Angioplast, is that what it is? be lily in your prayers that uh, the procedures go well if there are no other comments or questions that uh, we feel then our scripture for meditation this morning is taken from 2 corinthians chapter 7 that'll be verses 8 through 16 and you'll find that uh, page 1801 in your pew bible Would you kindly stand with us as we begin our service with opening prayer? (coughs) Brandon, may I prevail upon you to lead us?
1: standing. You take your red Trinity hymnal this morning and turn to number 19. <clears throat> number 19 in the Trinity, red. Anyone? Going once, twice. No one. I'll oh, come Oh, Bill. Yes, sir. <laughs> He's, still He's still my soul. He's still my soul. Which one? Um, three forty-seven. In the brown. Is that the right one? Three forty-seven. The red 689 oh.
2: six,
1: in the red, let's do the red, red <clears throat> six, six, nine. What's the number here? 689 six, eight. no. in the red,
0: is that the right one? Yeah. It's going to have
1: to be. <laughs> is it just because I put you on the spot, was there no. a, amazing?
0: This is fine. Just with all the things going on in the world today, uh, it's... It, it would behoove us to sit back and take pause and reflect on, on uh, why things are going on and uh, to concentrate more on the presence of the Lord in our lives and uh, what all the other things potentially would impact us with. So, And that's uh, Be Still My Soul. It's, it's a- Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 45. Verse uh, 1 through 28, and that'll be in your pew Bibles, page 75. And when you come to it, please stand with us. (coughs) Genesis chapter 45. Verses 1 through 28. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God set me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God set me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me Farther to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your whole soul and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all of his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, Do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts, as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, And as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is the ruler of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, The spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And Israel said, I am convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Father in heaven, may you bless richly this reading of your word. May it impact our lives in a positive way and restore hope and rejuvenate us as your children. In the name of Christ, we ask. Amen. Can
1: we take your red hymnal again and turn the number 520-520 in the red?
2: Our scripture text is Genesis chapter 45. In our last study, we examined Joseph's final test of his brothers when he had his steward plant his own silver cup in Benjamin's sack only to accuse Benjamin and his brothers of being thieves. Now, this was a test was a test to see if their jealousy and hatred for the youngest among them had abated in the past 20 years or if they would treat Benjamin with the same disdain that they had treated him. We learned that the brothers were shocked and alarmed at the accusation that Benjamin had stolen the governor's personal cup. But I mean, they had no defense, they had no explanation, because the cup was found in Benjamin's possession. Their thought process was that God had found them out. So they resigned to become Joseph's slaves. But Joseph did not see the justice in that, inasmuch as Benjamin alone was in possession of the stolen cup. So he planned to enslave Benjamin and release the other brothers to go home. It was at this point that Judah stepped forward and made a passionate plea to Joseph to accept his servitude in place of the boy. So that Jacob, whose life was deeply attached to Benjamin, would not die from grief. This is where we are in the narrative. Now this ruse of Joseph's to test his brother's fidelity to Jacob and to the youngest of the family, it just had gone on long enough. And when you think about it, I mean, months had transpired. It took, you know, they includes the travel time, three days. They imprisoned Simeon, so it was time for Joseph to reveal what was going on and really tell his brothers. They didn't recognize him, but to tell his brothers who he really was. So, as we talk about this great reveal, let's seek the Lord's enablement. We do thank you, Lord, for the truth of the scriptures. Even these parts of the scriptures would show how sinful we can be towards one another. And in this case, uh, Joseph's brothers and how mean-spirited they treated him out of jealousy. Yeah, we remember about the special coat that Jacob made for him. And they didn't much like that. And then he was privileged in terms of the workload he didn't like that either so there was a lot of jealousy here and in that jealousy they did some wicked things and they had to learn to uh, adhere to the will of God and to accept God's will for their lives not like the disciples one time said well what about John they turned and looked around Uh, when Peter heard that uh, he was going to die the death of crucifixion, what about John? Well, Peter, that's none of your business. That's my business. And these brothers had to learn the same thing. What God has for each of us may be different in the way things are carried out, but the end goal is the same, to get us to glory, to the praise and honor of God's grace. Help us as we study today in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text of scripture is Genesis 45. And we're talking today about the great reveal. And it was an impassioned revelation. Judah's plea to become the substitute slave for Benjamin was the straw that broke the camel's back. Joseph could no longer contain his secret identity. So he ordered all of the Egyptian servants vacate the hall, leaving him alone with his traumatized brothers who had no clue what was to happen next. It must have been terrifying to hear Joseph begin to wail so loudly... That the Egyptians in the surrounding environment took notice of that. And when he told his brothers, verse 3, I am Joseph, is my father still living? Spoken in Hebrew, by the way, verse 12. That's the way to do it if you're going to convince your brothers that you are indeed related. You can see for yourself that it is really I who am speaking to you. See this is in contrast to using an interpreter as in verse twenty three. The brothers are actually hearing this man who is the vice regent of all Egypt. He's actually they're actually hearing him speak to them in Hebrew. No interpreter needed. And they became speechless and also terrorized at Joseph's presence. You see, Joseph was dressed in the traditional Egyptian garb, complete with eye makeup, just as a sorrowful woman's attire and countenance is altered by tears, Running through smeared mascara, Joseph's uninhibited weeping, verse 2, so distorted his appearance that he presented a ghastly sight to his onlooking brothers. They're frightened, they're skeptical, and so Joseph calls them to come closer to him, verse 4. And though he told them, I am Joseph, verse 3, he sure did not look like Joseph. Remember that Joseph was but 17 years old when his brother sold him as a slave to a caravan heading for Egypt. Now he is 39 years old. 30 years old when he was promoted as vice regent of all Egypt, chapter 41, verse 46, but now seven years have passed of the good years of plenty with regard to the famine. Verse 35, five years of drought are yet to come. Verse 11, meaning that two have already come. So add it all up, 30 plus seven plus two. 39 years old, he is 39 years old at the time of this reunion. 22 years have passed, which in your family and mine is time enough for our children to be born, time for them to grow up, time to become adults, time to get married, And add to that that Joseph looks Egyptian in every conceivable way. And on top of that, he is vice-regent of all of Egypt. All of this then becomes a tremendous stretch for his brothers to wrap their heads around Joseph's assertion that he is the skinny-scared teenager they sold into slavery nearly a quarter of a century before. So Joseph must begin to give evidence of his identity to his highly frightened and suspicious brothers. And he does this by revealing things from his past which only his brothers would know. Verse 4. I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now who would know that except the brothers subject to the treachery? You can be sure that his brothers were not blobbing this all about to the neighbors. No, oh, they had hidden their dark family secret for a very long time. <coughs> Only recently were their consciences pricked and revived because of all the trouble they were experiencing from this Egyptian governor. But then, I mean, think, how does this governor know about the sale of their brother into slavery? Well, the light bulb is beginning to shine. Joseph claimed, I am Joseph. Hmm, that seems more credible than ever. But you know with every ray of light that invades their understanding, there is a mountain of guilt and a mountain of fear which emerges along with that. Think of it. Oh if this is oh if this is really Joseph, whew, we are in deep deep trouble. This governor has the power to enslave us, or imprison us, or even to execute us. You remember now that Joseph had broad and sweeping power bestowed on him by Pharaoh. Chapter 41, verse 40 and following says, You shall be in charge of my palace, says Pharaoh, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in the of Egypt. Let me tell you, brethren, that's sweeping power that's given to him. Joseph's brothers, they weren't there to hear Pharaoh say those things, but... They had seen plenty to indicate that Joseph, Joseph was the man in charge. And that they were at his beck and call for their very existence. They got that much. He had threatened their execution if they did not fetch Benjamin from Canaan to prove their trustworthiness. No wonder they are frightened beyond belief. We are in deep trouble. It is at this juncture that Joseph speaks comforting words to his very distraught brothers. The first thing to observe is that Joseph became aware of how his revelation of his identity was a not happy news for the brothers. But rather terrifying news. How could it be otherwise? Think on it. By their own omission they said to one another. I'm reading scripture. Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben added, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. Genesis 42, verse 21 and 22. They think Joseph is dead. And I'm sure that these or similar thoughts were racing through all of their minds. We are in trouble. I mean, if this Egyptian governor really is Joseph, then he's alive. He's not dead. And after the way we treated him, showing him no mercy when he pleaded with us, then we are destined to suffer the full brunt of his anger, which will be just. It'll be just. People of the world have this mindset. You punch me, I'm going to punch you back. They talk about getting even as though They were well-equipped to be judge and jury in matters of grievance or dispute. In reality, the getting-even philosophy does not generally work out that way. Instead, the offended party goes overboard and leaves no room for the wrath of God to rectify matters. I've heard our president speak that way, Donald Trump. doesn't take things lying down you hurt me i'm going to hurt you double i think he said something like that but i have to say that joseph's brothers were not thinking this way instead they were thinking we deserve anything that comes our way because we did not show mercy to joseph when in fear he pleadeth us for his life. life their words not mine And Reuben added, Now we must give an account for his blood. Think of how much fear must have gripped their hearts with Joseph's revelation. I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Verse 4. Oh! My, oh, this was their worst nightmare come true. They think the hammer of doom is about to fall on them. They have no hope of mercy, no hope of forgiveness, no intense anticipation of reconciliation. If this governor is Joseph, we are as good as dead. what an utter relief and surprise then to hear Joseph say now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be plowing there will not be reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Genesis 45. Verses 5 and following. They listen. And they cannot believe their own ears. No anger. No threats. No promise of punishment. No retaliation. By Joseph. But instead. An analysis of what happened. Which sounds more like a blessing then a curse Ooh. I mean think of it could God really have been in there in these evil motives and behavior that brought all these things to pass you mean God would put his people through trials and distress with an ulterior motive of salvation Uh, can good really come out of evil? Isn't that Paul's point when he wrote to the church of Rome? Let me read it for you. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to to his purpose. Let me read it again. We know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And Those he predestined He also called those he called, he also justified those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? Ask Paul. He answers, Well, it means if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him? graciously give us all things. Romans 8, verse 28 and following. Joseph's brothers were feeling the weight of their past sin towards Joseph, and there was a lot of sin to account for. But Joseph took the high road. He took the godly road by delving into the work of God behind the evil that was done to him. He directed the thoughts of his brothers to think in the same higher plane. And at the close of his life, Joseph will again reassure his fearful brothers. Let me read it for you. Genesis 50, last chapter of the book of Genesis. Chapter 50, verse 10. Joseph is speaking to his brothers. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Genesis 50 verse 10. It's nice when God shows us his total plan, he does not always do that. We know that because we often have questions of what is God up to? This is happening in my life. This is happening. This, this. What's going on? And God is silent. Basically saying to us, be still and know that I am Lord. Stop questioning and just trust. With all that said and done, Joseph sent his brothers back to Canaan to retrieve his father's household and their families. Verse 13 Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Verse 14 and following. Tells us that there was much weeping and embracing. Tears of joy they are. Not, so, not tears of sorrow. They are tears of reconciliation. Not tears of regret. Joseph buried his brother's past sins. And finally after decades. Of loss and misinformation verse 15 tells us that they all sat down and talked with one another boy i'll bet that was a gab session he had a lot of years to cover what about this What's that? what what are you doing so and so and so well word finally got to pharaoh who gave his own decree Verse 17. Tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. Goshen was already promised by Joseph. Verse 10. That's located on the eastern part of the Nile Delta the most fertile part of that region of the, of the Nile River. And by the way, still the most fertile part today. To speed their journey, Pharaoh sent carts in which to load their belongings. Although Pharaoh promised them all things new in the best of Egypt. Verse 21. Well, it was not easy for Jacob to be convinced that Joseph was still alive. He'd been fooled before. He had lived more than 20 years believing the lie, namely that Joseph had been killed by some wild animal. Remember the story. But (laughs) he couldn't deny the gifts, the carts, the fantastic tale his sons brought home With him from Egypt. So he had to go see for himself. Verse 27. The spirit of their father Jacob revived. Finally after months of testing and anguish. As to what might happen to Simeon in prison. And to Benjamin as he traveled back to Egypt. The sunlight of dawn broke through. And he had hope. My son Joseph is alive. I will go and see him before I die. Verse 28. Did the brothers ever set the record straight about their deception? I don't know. I'd like to think so, but I don't know. But one thing is certain. When the brothers were about to set out on their return from Egypt, Joseph's last words to them were, verse 24, don't quarrel on the way. I like that. Translation, consider the matter settled. Further discussion will not be profitable. Rejoice in what God has done for you and our Father and do not dwell on the past. Don't quarrel on the way. End of discussion. Good counsel for us, right? What are the lessons from Joseph's reveal? Well, number one, family troubles can cause deep sorrow and weeping until they are resolved. I mean, think of it. For many, many months, Joseph's identity was hidden from his brothers, but not they from him. It was as we studied, verse 8, 42. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And I realized that Joseph refrained from revealing his identity because he was treating his brother's character and testing it to see if the many years had resulted in a change of heart in how they interacted with one another. But with that said, there's a danger that what is delayed will be forgotten or intentionally dismissed altogether. And that is why God instructs us to deal with issues quickly, the scripture says. That is while the matter's is fresh, while it's in mind, before the devil and consequences begin to muddy the water with needless complications. jesus put it this way i tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment again anyone says to his brother raka that's aramaic for empty-headed we would say scatterbrained anyone who says to his brother you're a scatterbrain is answerable to the sanhedrin but anyone says you fool That's moros, the Greek, from which we get the English word moron. You moron. He will be in danger, Jesus says, of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, front of the altar, first Go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer. And you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny you really want that you want to settle the matter before it gets to that Matthew 5 22 and following I want you to notice that these two adversaries have resorted to name calling and the names are derisive not complimentary how do things come to this you moron Paul puts it this way. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body. And in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. In other words, don't let the day end while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians Four, verse 25 and following. In Joseph's case, because he had a forgiving heart, the devil had no pry bar to open the old wounds sown by his brothers in years past. But if Joseph had been a more vengeful kind of man, the outcome may not have been so amicable. I will say this, however. By his delay... In resolving the issues with his brothers, he also delayed reconciliation. He also delayed restoration of his joy. Instead, he repeatedly sneaks away to weep in his private chamber. It's in the text. In other words, the agony was prolonged. The charge comes, settle the dispute quickly. Secondly, comfort for distressed souls is found in spiritual truth, not empty platitudes. When Joseph saw that his brothers were in distress after they knew who he was, he did not attempt to soothe their conscience with a thick dose of worldly wisdom. He did not say, Ah, brothers, it's all right. I mean, it'll all come clean in the wash. Nor did he say, Well, You know, brothers will be brothers. It's just normal that we would have our differences. No, he does none of this. Instead, he makes them face their sin. I am your brother, the one you sold into Egypt. Reconciliation does not, indeed it cannot, sweep evil under the carpet as though it doesn't exist. No. You brothers of mine did an evil thing towards me. You sold me as a slave to pagans of all people. And there is no getting around that. But, but, Joseph does not leave them there to wallow in their sin... He does not, as it were, rub their face into it. There, take it back. Instead, it is but a quick acknowledgement of sin followed by the spiritual truths the brothers likely have overlooked, namely, that it was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 7. Wow! now there's something to meditate on. Don't keep beating yourself down because of your sin, but instead rejoice that God can and did override your evil intent for His glory and your good. You need to think on that. So when you feel... Defeated because of something sinful you said or, or did. Stop. Think. Recall. The power and grace of God to forgive and restore and to a, and to still accomplish what is good. No, you might have meant it for evil, but God knows how to reverse that. Oh, and one more thing. Verse 24. Don't quarrel on the way. In other words, he's telling his brothers, drop the matter. Not only with the person with whom you have had the disagreement, but in your own thinking. Don't keep igniting. Don't keep fanning the old flame. Learn to let your past sin go. Solomon put it this way. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8 and 9. Or again, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, says Solomon. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Proverbs 17, verse 14. Or again, Proverbs 15, verse 30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives joy. Health to the bones. don't have anything good to say. Don't say it. Think about this. A lot of bad things happened to Joseph. As a result of his brother's jealousy. There's no denying that. But if they had not gotten past those things. If he had made those sins. The foundation of the relationship with his brothers. Rather than seeing the grace of God. The rift in his family would have run long and deep. There is a treasure trove in the scriptures which if you take the time to mine that out you will find peace for your soul. Thirdly, we learn that we are happiest in life when our conscience does not condemn us. 20 years had passed since Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. But when trouble came their way because of the governor's accusations that they were spies, that they were thieves, immediately their conscience went to work to try to find a reason why these things were happening to them. And the conclusion that they came to was surely... We are being punished because of our brother. Chapter 42 verse 21. So as a result they began to see. Danger. Coming their way. Even possibly death. Every shadow. And returning from their first trip to Egypt. They stopped along the way, and when they opened one sack, what did they find? There on the top of the grain was their money, silver money. And we are told their hearts sank, and they turned to one another and said, What is this that God has done to us? This isn't coincidence. God is on our case. Now, when they finally reached the homestead where Jacob was, they all discovered their silver coins in their sacks. When they and their father I'm reading scripture, when they and their father saw the money pouches they were frightened. Chapter 42, verse 35. How this happened. When they finally returned to Egypt on the second journey, and Joseph's steward took all the brothers to his house for dinner, we read now, the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, We were brought here because of the silver that was put into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. Chapter 43, verse 17. Context. Says that they run to the steward to spill the beans (laughs) on how each of them had his money returned in the sacks, saying, uh, uh, we don't know who put our silver in our sacks. Chapter 43, verse 22. Now observe. There's absolutely nothing fearful in itself about finding silver coins in a sack of grain. There's nothing fearful in itself about being invited to dinner by the governor of the land. These are not fears men experience from real danger. A grizzly bear bearing down on you at your favorite fishing hole is justifiably fearful because you are an intruder in his salmon fishery and one swipe of his ball, and you're done. A man holding you hostage with a gun at your head at the local bank, which he is robbing, is someone to be afraid of. These are fearful items or situations in and of themselves. It is same fear that a person experiences. But the fears of Joseph's brother's experience had to do with a guilty conscience for the past, unresolved sins. Their guilty conscience produced terror that would otherwise have been dismissed. Job told his friends, I will maintain my righteousness and never let it go never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Job 27, verse 6. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies made about you, so that by following them you might fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 and 19. So, faith in God and having a clear conscience, which those are good things, dispels subjective fears. Not until Joseph's brothers sensed that he had forgiven them did they begin to to relax in his presence. So the lesson is deal with guilt and the sinful causes of that guilt. Lesson four, the best that the world has to offer you is rubbish compared to having Christ. When Pharaoh heard about Joseph's brothers, he said to Joseph, bring your father and your families back to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. Chapter 45, verse 18. In later years, another Israelite by the name of Moses was adopted and raised in Pharaoh's own palace by his daughter, and he received the best of the land of Egypt, says the scripture, a palatial dwelling in which to reside, education in the language, the culture, the science of Egyptian society, wealth beyond comprehension position of power, unparalleled authority as the adopted prince of Pharaoh. All this while his own blood relatives groaned under the paint of the taskmaster's whips who forced them to build the monumental tombs and cities of the Pharaohs. As an adult observer, he could no longer sit by indifferent and complacent to the plight of his people. You know the story. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why would he do that? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Hebrews 11, verse 24 and five. The world thinks Moses is a fool to give up so much and in so doing suffer disgrace and ill treatment and poverty along with the people of God. But God's word says that the pleasures of sin are only for a short time. Then what? Missionary and martyr for the faith, Jim Elliott, who was killed by the Aqua Indians in the 60s in Ecuador. He made this statement, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul put it this way, by whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss For the sake of Christ. What is more. I consider everything a loss. Compared to. The surpassing greatness. Of knowing Christ Jesus. My Lord. For whose sake. I have lost all things. And I consider them rubbish. That I may gain Christ. And be found in him to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3, verse 7 and following. Jesus put it this way: Do not uh, excuse me, John put it this his, after listening to Christ, said, Do not love the world nor anything in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of god lives forever first john 2 verse 15 and following these old testament saints joseph in our study today made right choices when they were presented with all the wealth and power of the known world in their day. Let us make right choices. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Praise you for it. These histories are a reminder to us that we have brethren that have gone before us and have experienced some very rough times and yet you enable them to live by faith, not by sight. And they have taught us how to do that. May we get our eyes fixed upon Christ and his glory and not be attracted by the baubles and the wealth and the gold, and the silver, and the pearls, and the diamonds, and all the other trinkets that the world puts before us. They're all destined to perish in the coming of Christ. There'll be a new heaven, new earth. All things will be made new. May we be part of that. We thank you, Lord, for your word this day. Strengthen our hearts to love you. Amen. Now our closing hymn is from Trinity number 55 in Trinity. Put the ROM on? Okay. Two
1: thirty-seven in the hymnal. Two thirty-seven in the brown. What's the number? Two thirty-seven. Two thirty-seven in, in the brown. Okay. Will you stand once you find the hymn, please?
2: The great promise made to God's people, we shall behold him face to face. Our Saviour and Lord. I think that's pictured here in the account of Joseph, Saviour of his brothers. And they beheld him face to face. estranged but forgiven and restored god's grace does that for all of us if we trust in jesus as our substitute savior our father thank you for your word and we praise you for our time together we love the beauty of the day we also love the brightness of the sun And we love the brightness of the S-O-N who has shone in our hearts with the grace and forgiveness of God. Thank you for us being able to meet today. And in Memorial Day, we remember that one who gave his life for our behalf. Not just our loved ones who have passed on before us, but that special one, the Lord Jesus, whose very cross work has provided an atonement that can never fade away. Thank you for that. Help us to live by your grace. The world needs to hear of your salvation and grace. We are your witnesses if we will but speak. Give us the courage to do that and the love of Jesus to do that. We pray in his name. Amen. We are dismissed and remember there's no service tonight. Short meeting of the uh, deacons...